The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Simon Clancy here. I do not have Chris Kaufman because he is sick. And if you've been following the show, two weeks ago, Simon Clancy was sick. Last week, I was sick. And this week, Chris is sick. Coronavirus. Yeah, there, there must be a virus going around. But yeah, Chris was not well, and he could not be here with us tonight. But Simon, there was some news today, and to say that I was a bit disappointment disappointed, um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far as mad, but I was curious. AJ Bowie was had for a fourth round pick today. Mm. What do you make of it? How come? the Dolphins weren't in on that. Um, I'm not sold that he's the same guy that he was three or four years ago, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, good deal for the, for, for the Broncos. Interesting deal for the Jaguars when you look at, you know, that AFC championship defense essentially included what? Boye, Ramsey, Dante Fowler, Darius, um, and Colvin. Yeah. Malik Jackson, Barry Church, and Gakway wants out, Telvin Smith's, you know, that 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 uh, the heart of that defense is gone. I mean, you know, good for John Elway, I think, and uh, and the Broncos, but uh, especially for a fourth round pick. And ultimately, I think it wasn't it the fourth round pick that Denver got in the Emmanuel Sanders trade last yeah, year. Yes, so. essentially, it was uh, Emmanuel um, Sanders for AJ Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, a good deal. Good deal. Yeah. And, you the know, I, yeah. The way oh, I sorry. look at it is, is is like this: the the Dolphins could be in on Byron Jones, and that's going to cost them fifteen and a half to sixteen Ooh. million dollars. And Byron Jones is just a couple of years younger than AJ Bowie. AJ Bowie wouldn't has three years me, left. Wouldn't surprise me if they if they were in on James Bradbury either. Yeah, but AJ Bowie has two years left at thirteen and a half million dollars. I don't know. Yeah. It, Only twenty nine. Yeah, it, it would have made. He'll be twenty nine when the season starts. He's twenty eight mm. now. So okay. I don't know. Uh, it made a, it would if the Dolphins had pulled off a trade for AJ Bowie today, it would have made a lot of sense to me. That they weren't in on it, I guess they got plans on somebody else. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th- there's clearly a plan. So we just yeah. nobody seems to know what it is yet. But clearly, you know, they're keeping it very tight to their chest, and uh, I suppose I, I, I um, respect that. Yeah. 
Yeah, who knows? Maybe it is Baron Jones. And if you've been watching any of the, the reports out there today, they're going to sign every single New England Patriot that's available. <laughs> so maybe that is the plan. But we're not going to get into that. We have plenty of time to get into free agency. Uh, the combine was this past week and weekend. And I guess we'll just take it day by day. And the first day was on Thursday where they had the quarterbacks, had the wideouts, had the tight ends. I don't think we're going to mention the tight ends too much because it's a, it's a really bad class. It's a it really was. bad class. It was. I, if if I had to hang my hat on somebody, I think it's the Notre Dame kid. Uh, what's his name? Cole Komet. Cole Komet. I think he's a bit stiff, though. I, I like the. I, I mean, uh, he's had some field problems, but Shane O'Grady, I think, if he can get his head straight, mm-hmm. I think there's some talent there. The the Troutman kid as well. I think he's got some talent, but uh, to me, there's not a number one tight end there. Mm-hmm. But as far as the quarterbacks, uh, what did you make of that group? Uh, I I was on Twitter commenting live as they were working out. Uh, what did you make of it? I mean, I, clearly there were two guys that had separated themselves from the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Justin Herbert threw really well. I thought Jordan Love threw really well. And both of them have done pretty much what they were asked to do in, in this off-season post, you know, this in this draft off-season. You know, for whatever criticisms we have about Justin Herbert, you cannot argue the fact that, you know, he put his balls on the line. He went to Mobile to the Senior Bowl and he performed really well. He was, you know, player of the week, player of the game. And he went to the senior, he went to the combine and he threw and he threw really well. Uh, he interviewed apparently pretty well. Um, and he did all that was asked of him. You know, he's clearly very athletic. You, you only have to see that in the drills and in the, in the 40. Um, and, you know, he leaves um, Indianapolis with his head rightfully held high. He's done all that can be asked of him. I thought Jordan loved the ball just pings off that, off his wrist. You see, mm-hmm. you know, you see him throw at the combine. It's just so easy. And, you know, you, you heard Daniel Jeremiah talk about you know, the word that people do continue to say is Patrick Mahomes, even if it's a poor man's Patrick Mahomes. Um, reports this morning that the Dolphins' uh, view from, from Tony Pauline and Benjamin Albright that the Dolphins have Jordan Love above Justin Herbert. Who knows? A, a, a Packers friend of mine who's, who's, who's well-connected sent me a message earlier on to say that he, he was of the belief that actually the Dolphins had Herbert higher up um, than just than Jordan Love. And actually that um, that around the league generally, and he, this is what he, you're not going to like this, but Herbert over tour is more common of a take in the NFL than outside of it based on what I've been told, which, you know, goes back to what Kaylin Kayler said three or four months ago, which goes back to what the uh, NFC general manager told me a, a while ago about Justin Herbert being rated over to uh, we, we shall see. I mean, it's all going to play out, you know. Um, but in terms of the the other quarterbacks, I think obviously Tua was, you know, arguably the most important in terms of getting his medical and everything seemed to seem to, to look well. I thought Jacob Eason didn't throw particularly well. I didn't think Jake Fromm threw particularly well. Mm. I was quite impressed with James Morgan, the FIU kid. I thought he threw well. And I thought Stephen Montez, you know, there's, there is, there's something there with Stephen Montez. He has got serious yeah, arm talent. And, and yeah, he, looked, he's athletic, yeah. um, you know, and it will be intriguing to see if a quarterback coach can really get hold of him and, and just hone down some of that, um, some of the looseness in his hip, some of the, you know, to just tighten up some of that accuracy stuff that looks like it could be mechanical rather than just mental. Yeah, as far as all the all those quarterbacks that you just mentioned, Jake Fromm is the only guy that stood out. He was never going to work out well, but you know, mm. gu- you know, I, I will give him a lot of credit. He showed up at the combine and he worked out, and that's a setting where he was not going to be great in, and he really wasn't. Mm. He didn't display pretty much any arm strength whatsoever on any of the drills. 
But, you know, what? if you're drafting Jake Fromm, you're drafting him for his film and for his, you know, how bright he is as far as going through his And his career. leadership, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, all his intangibles and, you know, how he can manipulate secondaries and throw with timing and anticipation. He's not going to why you with physical skills. He's just not. And it was just a terrible setting for him, and he just didn't show up all that great. Mm, ball just thing. didn't seem to come off his hand particularly well. I just... No, there was know, a tail. Was... There was a tail to those sta- those slants that he was throwing. There was a tail to those. Then it looked like he was overthrowing the intermediate throws. Yeah, mm. it, was, it wasn't. It just wasn't pretty. It, you know, but that's not. That wasn't his drill. Now, as far as wide receivers, uh, you know, we we talked about a few. Uh, your guy got left the field with an injury, and he has since had surgery, I believe. Chenault. Mm. But uh, another guy who just popped, and they say they're moving him to tight end, Chase Claypool of Notre Dame. Mm. You know, moving him to tight end, what's the thinking behind that? Because some would say, you know, don't you want the big physical guy that can still run at wideout? Yeah, I think the tape is... I think the tape is a little bit limited, and I think the com- combine is so interesting, isn't it? it? You know, it's it really should be a confirmation of everything you've seen on tape, and not all of a sudden people. And people say, "Oh, he's made a lot of money, and he's jumped way up." That's not true. People don't mm-hmm. jump way up the board. What it does, it, it's just another indicator for coaches to and scouts to to go back and say, "Look, this confirms everything we've seen on tape," or actually, this is going to make us go back and look again because this is a positive. You know, Derek Brown and his third slowest three cone drill. As good a player as he is, there will be people going, oh, that, that's an interesting anomaly. Is that, let's go back and look at the tape. And, and you look at it and you think, well, this doesn't really show up on tape. So maybe this just, it is anomalous. Whereas uh, there are other things that you think, you know, this, is, this gives me concern. This, you know, is this guy a bit of a workout warrior? Because we don't see this on film. And I think the interesting thing with Claypool is it, you know, he's, if you're looking and look, the game is moving away. Look at the, these kids coming out of college. There's hardly any of them can block. Um, you know, look at Mike Kosicki. You know, essentially he's a move tight end. He's going to be a, a move tight end, the third or the fourth receiver in these Changeli packages. And you look at Claypool, six foot four, 238 pounds, was he? Four, four, five. He did 20 reps on the bench. Mm. You know, he is, he, he is a guy that essentially you're just going to move around as a, as a big receiver or, you know, an H-back kind of tight end. He's, he's essentially, you know, I think he was, I saw a stat that said he was bigger than Cameron Wake, faster than Od- Odell Beckham, stronger than Jared Allen, <laughs> jumped higher than Julio Jones and was more explosive than Devin Hester. <laughs> yeah. That for me, I mean, it's interesting because I think you'll get overdrafted on those numbers. Um, whereas I think you look at, you look at players like Justin Jefferson, for example, or the players that I expected to perform really well performed really well. And I don't think it should be a shock to people mm-hmm. that they saw Tristan Wirfs or Makai Beckton or Isaiah Simmons, those guys perform. Like if, if you were surprised by Isaiah Simmons running a four, three, nine, 40, then you haven't been paying attention to his yes. film for the last two years. Absolutely. I think that, I think that's the most important thing. All right. And to tidy up the, the wide receivers, the Alabama guys as advertised, Jerry Judy at four, four, five, that's fine. Mm, of course, fine. Ruggs with a four-two-seven was the the star of at least Thursday. As far yeah. as the two Miami guys, and I've mentioned them before, uh, just like they played, KJ Osborne overachieved and ran a four-four-eight, and Jeff Thomas does what he always does, which is just do enough to get people to talk about him. In my opinion, I thought that his four-four-five was kind of disappointing because it just showed the kind of player he is. He always does mm. just enough. He never wants to do any more. 
170 pounds, though. I mean, you'd think yeah. he was going to run quicker than that. Yeah, I thought he was, you know, it was a disappointment. Well, we moved on, we moved on to Friday, and we were met with the disappointment that uh, Jackie Dobbins did not work out. Mm. But Jonathan Taylor did. And yeah. Jonathan Taylor turned some eyes, blasting off a 4-3-9. I guess he's up there now. He's, he's now in the conversation for a first-round pick for somebody that, that can use a running back. Could even be in Miami. Uh, your thoughts well, on this group? Yeah, one of the things I've always said is d- just don't overlook good college football players. And Jonathan Taylor is that. You know, back-to-back 2,000-plus yard seasons. You know, he was a state sprint champion, so he was always going to run well. Yeah. Um, and he performed brilliantly. He looked good in the drills. Um, he caught the ball well. I mean, you know, he, you look at someone like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, of LSU, just caught the ball beautifully. Um, didn't run particularly fast, but, you know, he's quicker on film than he is on in a straight line. You know, I've seen him run away from guys on, on tape and, you know, you weren't necessarily going to see blazing speed from him on the track, but you certainly mm. see the quicks that he has on film. So I'm not worried at all about his 40 time. Um, it was a good group. It's a decent group and it goes down, you know, you look down the field at, you know, even to guys like, you know, I think the Zach Moss time was disappointing, but I think he was carrying an yeah. injury. We look at guys like Darren Moss of Appalachian State and people like that who are intriguing, you know, late second, early third day guys. But Cam Akers performed really well. Akers is going to be a guy that's going to go probably on day two. Uh, I thought AJ Dillon was big. Um, you know, if you're looking for that one, if you're looking for that Derek Henry type, the one cut and go downhill runner, that's what AJ Dillon's going to bring. Um, and I thought he ran brilliantly. I thought his, his overall combine was really good. He was—he certainly came away as one of the winners. I think Dobbins, it was a shame that he didn't perform because everybody else was out there. Everybody else was giving it, doing it, you know. Um, and I don't necessarily think it looked good for him just to be saying, yeah, he must have wanted to get out there and compete and show what he could do. Yeah, and uh, of course our, our um, running backs. But yeah, it was Eric great, Stutzville. just a great combine for, for, for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Eric Stutzfeld met with J.K. Dobbins for an extensive meeting. It was reported on Thursday. And this is the time of year where we start to get news about guys being scheduled for workouts. And it was reported today that Zach Moss of Utah, who did run that time you just talked about, that 465, he is scheduled to not only meet with the Dolphins, but actually have a private workout with the Dolphins. Now, the running back group is what it is, but that offensive line group, I, ca- I came away a little mm. bit discouraged because I wanted one of these guys at number 18, and I don't think we're getting any of them. I really don't. I certainly I think, don't think the big four. Yeah, the big four. I wanted one of those big four, and I, I don't know. Uh, I have my doubts. Do you think there's a possibility we could get any of those four? Because I just don't see it. I think that – Teams are going to look at these guys and they're going to say, you know, this is this is precisely who who we need to plug in and play for 10, 12 years, and this is who we're taking. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think any one of those four guys, uh, Worths, Wills, Beckton, and Thomas, is going to fall to eighteen. Uh, and I think that if the Dolphins do want one, they're going to have to trade up. Mm. I think the intriguing thing for me is that next group. Then and I think you can potentially put four players in that next group. Um, certainly if you're looking at left tackles, and that's Matthew Peer of UConn, mm-hmm. uh, Ezra Cleveland of Boise State, Austin Jackson of USC, and Joshua Jones of, of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I would put Joshua Jones next, um, but it feels like he's falling just a little bit. Daniel Jeremiah continues to talk about Austin Jackson, how NFL teams view him as a top 18 guy. I don't see that on tape, but that's certainly what 
um, he claims is, is happening. Peer, I like a lot at UConn. Uh, and Ezra Cleveland is one of those guys who's really moved up into the back end of the first round conversation. Yeah. He's very straight up and down. He looks a bit like Matt Hennessy in terms of that, in terms of body type. Uh, I wasn't thrilled by his tape. I've got to say, I've seen a couple of games of his and I need to watch some more. Um, but he moves pretty well. But the, the, there's times where he feels a bit too light. Um, he sort of got bullied a couple of times against Florida State, which was a little bit disconcerting. Um, but I need to go and watch more tape on him, really. But he, he's certainly a guy that feels like he's moving up into the certainly into that top 50 area. Now, let's follow up on a couple of guys that we mentioned on a previous podcast, including one where we previewed the the combine, and that's Damian Lewis and Matt Hennessy. Yeah. Um, they, did, they certainly didn't embarrass themselves out there. No. These guys look as advertised. Do you think they hurt thought- their stock? Do you think these are guys that the Dolphins can get? With one of, the, I thought he- one of their third-round picks, let's say. I don't think Hennessy lasts that long. I thought he was extraordinary in the drills, I've got to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his one eight six split was okay, but I just thought, um, I think apparently he interviewed very, very well, and I just thought you looked at his movement um, in drills. I thought he was terrific. Uh, he really, really moved well. And, you know, it could be... I mean, he could be the highest Temple player taken since, what, Hassan Reddick, maybe? Um, I just think he's a... Rocky uh, th- maybe? Yeah, maybe. I think he looked like the best of all the, certainly of all the interior offensive linemen that I saw at the combine. I thought he just performed really, really well. All right. And, uh, and of course, Andrew Thomas, your thoughts yeah. on him? Yeah, again, Thomas... I thought, they, I thought the top four guys really separate, separated themselves. I thought they just all looked like elite day one starters, the four of them. Um, you know, and look, you pick your poison, you throw a blanket over all of them. I know Chris has got worse at number one. I've got Wills at number one. You, you know, we could all have different guys in, in a different order. I don't think any of it would necessarily be wrong. I think, you know, whoever you draft, I think you're going to get four really good players. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to move on to the linebackers group and – edge players, defense alignment, and there's one guy that obviously stands out. I thought he was the star of the combine. Everybody expected it, and then it happened, and that's Isaiah Simmons. I believe if, if like, let's say we believe the worst of what we hear out there, that Washington is actually entertaining taking Tua Tungavailoa, or maybe even Detroit, because I don't know if you saw the latest Mel Kuyper mock draft, but he has Detroit taking Tua Tungavailoa. Neither of those teams are taking him. Uh, and I tend to agree with you. But let's say the worst happens. Okay. I believe that that number five pick for Miami suddenly becomes extremely valuable. They can get a mm. haul for Isaiah Simmons. Or do they just take him? Well, them? I mean, I, I would take him. I would take him and then I'd package the other two picks up and move up to get Jordan Love and, and throw mm-hmm. in something from 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's what I do. You can, look to he he to me is one of the probably one of the, it's probably the safest pick in the draft, especially for the creative defensive coordinator because you can line him up anywhere. You know he's big, he's rangy, he's long, he's got long arms. He can get sideline to sideline. He's everything that they wanted Minka Fitzpatrick to be, and Minka didn't want to be. You know, I don't know if he wants to be a weak side linebacker, but he's open to, to playing anywhere. And I just think he's that Swiss Army knife. You can just move around, and you know he destroyed the combine. But like I said earlier, I don't. You know, it shouldn't be a shock to people. It was just a, you know, that that's just the way it was. He was always going to turn up and shock 
the people that didn't really, you know, watch college football on a day-to-day basis, as it were. But, uh, you know, he's a terrific player and he's a terrific workout guy. And, you know, he's not going to be the sort of guy that's going to come in and you're going to go, oh, he's not playing very well. And maybe he's, you know, the new Mike Ramula. That's not this guy. This guy just shows up on Saturdays. Yeah, a lot of people were, were trying to find a comparison for him. And I saw what ESPN was trying to do. They're trying to say that he was some type of hybrid I think we already saw this guy. We saw the impact that Derwin James had as a rookie. And maybe Isaiah Sims is exactly that. Derwin James did play a bunch of positions as a rookie. This guy's faster than Derwin James. I think he's just a football player. You could play him almost anywhere. And, you know, we even saw him rushing rushing the passer in the playoffs this year, in the college playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, If he's there at number five and – Everything fell apart for us as far as the quarterback that we want. I think you almost have to take this guy. Now, another guy that that I think stood out to me, and this is a guy that maybe midseason wasn't really talked about as much, but he's coming on strong, and that's Patrick Queen. Mm. Fast time. He's big, strong. He's always looked good. Do you think that he's a fit for this system? Um, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's a traditional fit for this system. I think he's perfect for, say, Green Bay, for example. I think he's going to, you know, he's going to perform really well there. But if he went there, I think it's interesting looking at Jerome Baker because essentially, the, you know, the comparison for Patrick Green pretty much is Jerome Baker, really. It's that kind of Jerome Baker, Quan Alexander type. He's only six foot. Uh, he's what two or twenty six, two twenty nine, or whatever. But you know, he ran really fast. He jumped really high, and he put on LSU tape. And people talk about Caleb on chase on, and they talk about Grant Delpit. Patrick Green was a guy, game after game after game, that was just showing up over and over and over and over again, making plays, getting sideline to sideline, you know, beating blockers to the point, uh, running down running backs, that sort of thing. I just thought he was he had a terrific season, and I'm not surprised to see the top 20 buzz. And I think actually he's probably moved ahead of Kenneth Murray in terms of, you know, they're very similar guys, similar speed, similar height profiles. Um, but I think Queen's a really good player, and I think he's probably going to go top 25 at worst yeah now guys that uh, myself and and chris we were you know we kind of earmarked and wanted to see do well i think they did well that's jabari zuniga and of course alex mm-hmm. highsmith who was who was a guy that you had earmarked for this past weekend on the edge or the defensive line and you came away saying okay all systems are go i was intrigued to see how aj Epineza performed mm-hmm. um I was intrigued to see how Yatergros Matos ran and how he looked in the drills. Um, I was disappointed a little bit with the time that Bradley Anna ran, um, but you know, yeah, look at yeah, but you look at the you look at his performance on tape, um, and that's that's you know what you get is what you see is what you get with him on tape. Um, edge defenders, I'm not sure there was anybody I mean I mean the guy the kid at Auburn Marlon Davidson I was in, interested to see and, and I kind of feel like he's gonna, probably going to get kicked inside because of his slowish uh, time um, there was no real uh, it was just it was just some of the guys that you think look, I've kind of taken my eye off the edge defenders a little bit because I'm absolutely focusing on thinking the Dolphins are probably going to try and fix that in free agency yeah. so whilst I've still got you know the Highsmith kid and you know, these, these guys are definitely on the radar. I, I just can't think they're going to avoid free agency. I think that that's what they've got to do. To try. They've got to try and shut down one of the lines using free agency. I, I just can't think they can dabble. I think they need to come away thinking, look, we've got, we've got this position sorted. 
now and now let's look to attack other positions in the draft i just don't think they could hodgepodge it so for me i think that's that's kind of where we're at really in terms of that now i think that now we're going to move on to i thought the stars of the combine it does these defensive backs last year if you remember on these podcasts that we did leading up to the draft i wanted to draft as many as three defensive backs ended up drafting none (laughs) okay now this year Come on, you got to come away with something. This is mm. one hell of a group, Simon. And yeah. some guys, I thought, look, I, I expected Troy Pride to be good. I didn't expect him to run 4 4 flat. Mm. Okay. Uh, he's at the top of my list. Who's at the top of yours at Boundary Corner? Um, I would say that, I mean, I, I, don't think, I don't think Troy would be necessarily top of my list, but I would say that. Um, I mean, to me, Jeffrey Akuda is is well, of course. Yeah. head and shoulders above yeah, above everybody else. <laughs> yes. um, I, I mean, I I like Jeff Glasney, the the TCU kid. Um, I think he's a terrific player. He's just going to smash you in the mouth from from minute one to to minute sixty. Um, and I was intrigued by some of the smaller school guys. I meet Robertson, who I think could be like a really good nickel at the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, the Auburn corner Noah Igbehinehe. I thought he performed really well. Um, like I said, Gladney, I thought I thought performed well. I was interested to see how Christian Fulton ran. I thought he ran really well. Um, it's just a it's just a great cast of corners, really. There's just a lot there. I think you know you go right the way down. There's a kid, um, and I can't think what his name is actually um, off the top of my head, but there's a kid um, who looks to me like an archetypal Dolphins. Um, corner and it's a guy that i've not really seen a great deal of and i'm just googling now because i can remember jim Nagy talking about him and thinking oh that's the kid that really made me sit up and think i've got to go back and look at some more tape um but i now can't find who it is but yeah i think it's just a really really intriguing group of um intriguing group oh uh, it's the kid from iowa michael uh uh uh, who's okay. six two, two hundred pounds, four forty five, forty, thirty three yeah. inch arms, thirty six inch vertical, ten two broad jumps, six eight three cone, four twenty short shuttle. I mean that is an archetypal. He fits right into the that dolphin kind of category of kids that you think. And he's another guy that's that, that's rising up boards. I think um, be interesting to see where he ends up. But you know, some of those guys just peripheral. Um, corners that perhaps are just beginning to sneak up in the background. I think there's some interesting talent there at that position. I think the Dolphins are going to got to come away with a couple of them, especially if they don't get a Bradbury or a Byron Jones. Yeah, and if uh, one thing that you can say about the Dolphins is, as far as this group, you can almost draw the line at four five flat in the forty yard dash, mm. and they want guys that run faster than that. And with that, I'm going to say that I'm disappointed in two times, and that's Lamar Jackson and James Pierre, two guys that I wanted to see mm. run. Both Aqib Talib lookalikes, I would say. Long, lean, 6'2", 200 pounds. Yeah. Both hugging four sixes, and I think both are headed to probably playing safety at the next level. Yeah, definitely. But speaking of safeties, Anton Winfield. Yeah, he's, mm. that's a first-round guy. Stunt. And, and I'd I love him to, to be on our team. And another guy that I don't think is going to be drafted all too high, and I think they should give a long look to is J.R. Reed of Georgia. All mm. the intangibles, plus he ran a, a good time at 4.54 at decent size. 
I think I came away impressed. You know, Winfield, obviously, I think that was one of the biggest 40s of the week. And him running under 4-5, I thought, was absolutely, was, was terrific for him and his prospects because he's just a great football player. Mm. Um, I think the two guys I was impressed with were Carl Duga, who I talked about in the WhatsApp group uh, a long time ago, the Lenore Ryan kid, who I think just continues to impress, was great at the senior bowl, um, and then just did a brilliant job in the workout. I thought he just, you know, he looks really good, and I think he's probably the best small school prospect in the draft. Um, and then Jeremy Chin, you can't yes, argue with what Jeremy Chin did. That's what I was going to mention um, right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Nazir Adley last year, I think Jeremy Chin just steps in um, and, you know, let's have a look at the 41-inch vertical, 11-6 ball jump, 446, 40-yard dash. You know, I thought the kid <laughs> played really, really well. 25. Yeah. And he did all of that at 6'3", 221 pounds. It's crazy. Yeah, out of Southern Illinois. I'm obviously going to have to educate myself more on and watch some yeah. Southern Illinois games. Because I mean, he's, an athlete, he's an athlete on the field and that translates. Uh, he's a ball walk out there. Um, he's going to be a very, very interesting guy to watch. All right, Simon, uh, that takes care of the scouting combine and which will lead us right into free agency. And it's been reported everywhere. They're essentially going to try to sign every single New England Patriots. <laughs> that's Joe Tooney. That's Devin McCourty, Cal Bonoy. You know all the names. Your thoughts on all of these guys. Um, I would be surprised if it happened. I think that people are essentially just trying to work out what we're doing and nobody really knows. Um, Devin McCourty makes a lot of sense, obviously. I'm not sure that Carvan Noy makes enough financial sense. Joe Tooney obviously makes sense, but he's going to cost a significant amount of money. Yeah. I mean, I just, and I also think that Brian Flores wants to establish himself as his own guy. I don't think he just wants to be a guy that's totally reliant on... Um, having to pick up players that he knows and players that he's been with before. I think he wants to build a roster in his own image. And I'm not necessarily sure that going back and pilfering all the guys that you used to coach is necessarily the way that he wants to do it. Well, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, it would make a lot of sense for somebody like Devin McCourty because maybe that's something that that defense actually sorely needs. And especially if you're going to have some young guys on the boundary and maybe even possibly in the slot. You're going to want a veteran presence like Devin McCourty back there. Uh, Kyle Vanoy, I think he's going to be really expensive. I think Detroit is actually a player for him, and Detroit mm. might want to spend a little bit of money on him. Uh, he did start his career there. I wouldn't spend too much money on Kyle Vanoy. I'd, I'd try to make a little bit bigger of a splash. We have a lot of cap space to do it. But where I would like to see this team actually get a little bit creative is that it's been reported that Trey Turner is available for the Carolina Panthers. Mm. I was told that he was available at the deadline this year, and the Dolphins had passive interest, but the price was too hefty for their tastes. I'd like to see if they can meet the, the Panthers' price now because we just saw a guy that's a top performer. Maybe he's not a top five corner, I'm pretty sure he's a top 10 boundary corner in the NFL still. Go for a fourth-round pick on what is now essentially a pretty friendly deal at $13 million a year for two years. Yeah, Trey Turner, go, you know, see what they want for him. I don't know what mm. you think. I mean, look, he's 26 years old. He's a five-time pro bowler. Yes. Um, I think it would be a, a really good – uh, a really good decision. And it makes you wonder about what the Panthers are doing. I mean, I've heard that they're – Tanking in inverted commas for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that's the guy that they that they've targeted. Um, 
but you kind of feel like you don't want to get, I suppose, the same as the Dolphins last year, wasn't it? You don't really want to shell the roster too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like they're totally gutting everything. Um, I mean, what would he go for? I, I mean, in the real world, he should go for a second slash third round pick. But, yeah, you know, the way things are going, you, you could probably get away with a fourth rounder. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And Yeah, it looks like it's a fire sale. <laughs> you know? I mean, you look... Think about it. The Dolphins could essentially, you know, if they play the smart, because I also don't think they're going to spend all, they're, going to, they're not going to use all 14 picks. I, I think they're going to move four veteran players. You could solidify the left-hand side of your offensive line by trading for Trent Williams and Trey Turner. Yes. And, and, they, have, save. and they have the capital to do it too. Mm, 100%. 100%. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now to answer a question that was posed to, to the three yards per carry Twitter account on Christian McCaffrey, I do not think no matter what shape or form this tank job by the Carolina Panthers is going to take, I don't think it involves Christian McCaffrey in any way, shape, or form. Unless something happens in the Laramie Tunsil type of area, meaning yeah. somebody goes absolutely crazy and gives them you know, two first-round picks and a second-round pick for him. Remember, they did yeah. spend a first-round pick on him, and he's an MVP candidate. So they're getting good returns on their first round pick. Why would Definitely. they just want to just trade him in for another first round pick? Definitely. So, Definitely. So yeah. I would say that whatever tank job they're undertaking, it does not involve Christian McCaffrey. Now having said that, mm. watch them trade him like next week. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd be I'd be stunned if that happens. Yeah, I I'm, I as well. So that would be a no to our listener. I can't find your name <laughs> right now, but you asked us the question if they are tanking, why not, you know, start offering stuff for Christian McCaffrey? That would be a no. Because I think it would take a lot. It would take a lot of no. type haul yeah. to get him out. Yeah. So Definitely. That'll be a no. All right. That's it. There is no more. Next week, I hope, I hope we will have Chris Kaufman here because you know we you know we couldn't have him this week due to a virus that's going around. But we will have him next week. Let's hope. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but 
If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. 